That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Welcome back to the Celtics Pod Podcast. It's Wednesday. I'm joined by Jonathan Macri. Jonathan's doing this thing over for the Knicks. He's currently working at the Step Back. He's at SI Knicks. And you're also the Dean of the Knicks Film School, something that I find really interesting. He does some great podcasts over there too. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing okay, you know, like everybody else. Um, kind of just in a holding pattern. Um, you know, I feel like maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but pretty, pretty one day soon ish. We're going to get, you know, that Woj bomb or that Shams, you know, drop where it's like, you know, it, it gives us more clarity than we've gotten so far as, uh, um, as far as what's going to happen for the rest of the season, whether there's going to be a season. And I, I think that like a lot of people, that's what I'm, you know, I just kind of want clarity. Um, and uh, find out what's going on. But other than that, you know, everything's good. I can't complain. Clarity would be nice, right? Just knowing, <laughs> just, <laughs> just yeah. some for, small form of information would be absolutely brilliant. It would. Um, you know, we'll, listen, we'll get it when the time is right. Um, my my gut feeling still says that they will figure out a way to crown a champion this year. I don't know how. I don't know if, what what kind of uh, form it's going to be in, but I, I do think they will. I do think they will figure out a way to do it. I wrote something about this actually, whether there'd be an asterisk on it because of the way the play is and the lack of people. It's a it's a very polarizing debate whether or not you hold that championship in the same light as championships from an uninterrupted season. People point back then to the lockout year when there was the lockout and people still crowned a champion and nobody ever looks back at that with any bad ill will. Yeah, I, I personally don't look at either of the shortened seasons that have happened over the last um, 25 years as um, an asterisk at all. Um, the Spurs and the Heat are, you know, as valid champions as anyone. Um, you know, and I, I think part of that is because of who – who wound up winning those championships. I mean, it's Duncan and it's LeBron's two of the greatest players ever. Right. Um, I, I think not to get too far off topic, but I think if like something quirky happened and like, let's say it was a abbreviated first round series or abbreviated second round series. And like a team like the Bucks or a team like the Clippers or a team like the Lakers got eliminated. And we got some kind of like a champion that really wasn't thought of to be like a really serious contender. Um, I, you know, I guess maybe then I could see there being an asterisk, but um, other than that, I think it'll it'll be valid. Either way, the, the Knicks are going to be picking quite high in the draft lottery. <laughs> Indeed they are, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> so let's jump into it. As everybody knows, we're doing our team-by-team team draft dive. John's great, graciously gave me his picks already, so I've made sure that I'm well-versed in who they're going to be. Three picks. They're projected to go 6th, 27th, and then way down at 38th. Who are you looking at with the 7th, with the 6th, sorry? No, you actually had it right. It's, it is probably, it's weird because now with the new lottery odds, even though they have the 6th worst record, the, the higher odds are that they finish with the 7th pick. Um, that, that said, um, I think the three players that I, I picked for this spot um, it wouldn't make a difference whether they were picking six, seven, eight, 
Um, maybe even nine, although then it might get a little dicey. So, um, yeah, the three guys I gave you for, for very different reasons um, are – and the, I'm trying to think, should I give you reverse order? Uh, how do you – like guys that I'm least excited about to the guy I'm most excited about? Is yeah, if you it? want to, we can build the suspense that way. Sure. So I think the safe pick is going to be Cole Anthony. Um, and, you know, there was a snippet that came out, um, I guess it was uh, late last week, that the Knicks were really doing their homework on Cole Anthony, which, you know, great. That's what every NBA team, like literally any NBA team that is drafting should be doing their homework on all of these guys. Um, and I, you know, I, I could see why it made news. I could see some people having an incentive to put it out there. Um, Cole Anthony, obviously, is the son of Greg Anthony, who played for the Knicks. He is from the New York area. Um, it, it, if, you, if you track Scott Perry's draft record, and, you know, this becomes a more interesting conversation because about two hours ago it was announced that the Knicks are, are hiring a new assistant GM from the Jazz, um, Walt, uh, Walt Perrin. Um, but, you know, Perry's been the one doing the, the draft homework now for – however long he's been doing it. And Cole Anthony kind of fits the bill. He's, he's athletic. He is a guy that, you know, can, you know, theoretically create his own shot. He's got some moves. Um, he's a guy that if he hits, I think he, like, he could be like a very, very, very poor man's, you know, I hate even throwing this name out there because he's not going to be anywhere near this level of player, but like, Dame, Dame Stodem, or Dame Stoudemire, Dame Lillard. I'm getting my Damians confused. Because um, you know why? Because I'm thinking of Last Dance era, like the late 90s when Dame Stoudemire played. Um, Damian Lillard in that he's like, you know, he's not a true point guard. He's not, he's not making the high-level passes. Um, but he could do that well enough um, – to the point that you could hand him the ball. And if he shoots well enough and if he gets to the rim well enough, you really have something on your hands. Now, I think where I'm less excited about Cole Anthony than other people is I don't believe in the shot quite as much as some. And um, even, you know, I know there's a lot of people that say, well, he had no spacing in North Carolina. You can't really judge his decision-making there. You can't really judge his, his finishing at the rim there. I don't know. I just, um, I don't think that there's anything elite or even close to elite about like really any of the stuff that he can do. Um, I think he's just like, he's a guy that projects to be good to maybe a little bit better than good at all these different things. And I would rather draft a guy in this spot. Who's like a little bit better than that, but he's like my safe pick of the three. I mean, for a point guard, which is a very big position of need for the Knicks is in my opinion, He's okay. I feel like his size, size hinders him around the rim. That's going to be an issue that gets even bigger for him once he reaches the NBA and he's amongst the real tall trees. Yeah. I like his Euro step in traffic. He knows how to avoid stunts. He knows how to avoid hedges by Euro stepping away. But then as he gets closer to the rim, he's going to run into the same issues. From deep, he's nice. I feel like his form and the range he showed in college was enough to project him as a scalable three-point shooter. His passing's okay, but he, he does get lazy with it. Have you noticed that some sloppy turnovers, especially coming out of the pick and roll? A hundred percent, yeah. Um, you, you, you don't love the laziness there, and 
I mean, if we're talking about laziness with him, and I, I, that's the wrong word for it, but I just I don't know how else you characterize his defense on some possessions where it just he looks flatly, you know, I, I don't disinterested is a little strong, but I, I don't always I didn't love how he got around screens a lot. Um, I, I don't love just like some guys to me when you watch them move on defense, you're like, okay, that guy gets it, including the guy who's going to be at the top of this list. Um, I, ne- I did not get the same sense from Cole Anthony. That said, man-to-man, I thought he had some impressive showings um, where he would, you know, be with his guys step for step all the way to the rim and came up with some nice blocks, um, you know, a deflection here or there. So he, I, I don't think he's a lost cause, but I, I don't – if you're, if your college-level defense is either going to be encouraging or discouraging, for me at this point it's discouraging. For me, when he's on defense, it's the lack of change of pace that he's got. If somebody beats him off the dribble, then he's done. He doesn't seem to be able yeah. to, to change gear to catch back up or at least stay in the rear view with them to at least apply some pressure on the drive. And I feel like that's going to be where he really gets exposed at the next level. If he, go, if he missed times the screen and goes under when he should have gone over or he just gets beat off a of hezzy, he's going to really struggle to close out on those guys afterwards. And he's going to get blown by by elite-level athletes. And that's the scary part is like, you know, we've seen another guy here in New York over the last year who, you know, similar to Cole Anthony, it's like he has the tools. I'm talking about Dennis Smith Jr. Has the tools to be a good good defender. We've actually seen him be a good defender at times. But because he's not like he – it's not always there. Um, and he can get taken advantage of. Like if you're going to be that level of defender – you need to make up for it and then some on the other end. And that's when you're, again, getting back to the conversation of, okay, what elite thing is Cole Anthony going to do at the point guard position? And, and look, maybe the shot comes around in a, in a really significant way and he, you know, could bend the floor from, from a, a bigger range than, than maybe he's shown so far. I just, like, I, I would accept this pick, but, you know, ahead of some other ones that I, I really don't like, there's some guys I don't want to, them to touch. Um, Obi Toppin being at the top of that list, but I'd, be, I'd accept it, but I'd be nervous. So let's just we leave it at that with him. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I feel like, like you say, he's a safe bet, but there's a lot of question marks that surround him that for me makes it a bit of a reach at the sixth. I feel like he, he will probably fall lower than that, and New York will most likely pass. For another guy that I'm assuming you're going to mention very shortly, that I'm very high on myself. Well, uh, I'm, so the next guy I want to mention is, uh, I just call him Poku, but uh, full name, Alexei Pokusevsky. Uh, I think I pronounced that right. Um, he is a seven-footer who plays in the um, Greek B-League. Um, if you watch any tape from him, you're going to be like, wait a minute, am I watching like a bad high school game? And that's because he's playing in gyms where there's like, there's forget about, you know, like, stands like a professional game like they don't even have like bleacher seats it's nothing um the competition is not good that said he's a seven footer who handles it like a guard like legitimately handles it like a guard and his shooting stroke is i mean i I think it's beautiful personally um you know and he could do a lot of different stuff on the court he has a he's thin right now needs to fill out but i think he has the frame um he is the mystery man of the draft um, I think plain and simple. And, you know, I think in a normal draft, 
you'd look at someone like him and you'd be like, ah, okay, you know, maybe a team takes a chance on him in like the, the early 20s, maybe even the late teens. I think the closer we get to this draft and like the more, you know, people start to realize like the ceiling is simply not there for some of these other guys, a guy like him could really shoot up the, the draft boards. And whereas maybe several months ago, uh, Poku is a guy who you would have thought the Knicks would be able to get with their second first round pick that they acquired from the Clippers in the Morris trade. I think they would need to, to spend their lottery pick on him. And I know that would make a lot of Knicks fans upset to be like drafting some lanky European who, who a lot of people have never heard of um, instead of a point guard. But, you know, sometimes you got to swing for the fences. And I think this, the skill set is there that even though, look, the guy might not be any good, <laughs> but um, it's enough there for me to want to take a chance. I have to ask this. Are you looking at him with Paul Zingas tinted glasses? Look, I'm going to, so I'll, this will probably not be the only time I quote um, my, my friend Spencer Perlman on this podcast, who I talk, to the dra- talk about the draft with him a lot. Uh, he's in love with Boku. I mean, admittedly, it's just like all over this kid. He would, I think he has him maybe fourth or fifth on his board, something really high. Um, he thinks that he has the potential to be, I can't even say it with a straight face, to be better than Porzingis. I can't go that far. Um, I, I mean, that's, that's a bit much for me. But I, you know, pretend Porzingis never existed. He's a, he's a seven-footer who could do things that a seven-footer can't do. And I think, you know, every NBA team should be looking for that right now, whether it's the Knicks who had Porzingis or not. I think it's worth noting as well that when Giannis was picked and he was drafted into the NBA, he was playing in a league below where Poku's playing right now. Yeah. So there's proof that it can happen, right? That you can find one of these diamonds in the rough down in some obscure Greek league that can come in and grow into one of the best players in the league, if not the best player. And I think, um, you know, the tough part is that so much of it with these guys – you know, comes down to work ethic and like, do they want it? Like Giannis is obviously has become Giannis because he, he seems to be as hard of working as any player in the NBA and how he works on his game, how he works on his body, um, how seriously he takes this whole life. Um, you know, the Knicks picked a guy by the name of Frederick Weiss once upon a time, uh, 20 years ago, uh, uh, one pick ahead of Ron Artest because again, like tantalizing size, skill set, the whole thing. I, obviously the guy never played a minute in the NBA. So, you know, I, I think the fact that they won't teams won't be able to get a face-to-face interview, maybe scares some teams off a lot, but again, you know, given the draft and given the talent level and this specifically the ceiling that isn't there for some of these guys. Again, I, I could see a team taking a shot pretty early. I like poker. I feel like he's got very high upside in the limited amount you can see of him. His frame does worry me. I feel like he's going to be very frail, especially if he's given spot minutes early on before he has chance to fill out. He does look like a legitimate floor stretcher, though. I feel like if his passing was good, because I haven't seen much of that, if he can pass out of the short roll and pick and pop, at least on the elbows, on the shoulders, and then even curl or fade to the corners, then maybe he could be serviceable now while he learns to handle the ruck and grow into a more prominent role. For sure. Yeah. No, I think that's well, well said. Um, so I guess that, that gives, gets us to our, my number one. Um, Who I'm very excited about. I'm not going to lie. 
Yeah, Kyra Lewis Jr. Um, so point guard out of Alabama. So um, so Poku, I should have mentioned, is the uh, youngest draft eligible player uh, this year because he doesn't turn 19 until I, I believe December. Kira Lewis, uh, Kyra Lewis. I always say want to say Kira. Uh, Kyra Lewis was the youngest player in college basketball last season. He's still very young. He's still only 18 and change. He's a year younger than Cole Anthony. Um, and you know, you say you love him. I, I'm guessing part of the reason you love him is because I think he might be the fastest player in the draft. And you know, I, I've talked a lot about you know elite skills with with Spencer when he comes on my pod. And I, I think whereas um, LaMelo Ball has the the best elite skill and the only truly elite skill in this draft in terms of his passing. If you're talking about elite abilities, Kyra uh, Lewis's speed and his ability to just hit the hole in kind of more of a straight line fashion, granted, but still, and be able to get to the basket that quick. To me, if you combine that with what I think is a pretty decent shot from three, you have two out of – and he's a, he's a really nice passer. He's, again, not a, like a ball-level passer, not even a Killian Hayes-level passer, but he's a really, really good passer. Um, could make those kind of one-handed, like, whip passes that we've seen throughout this year. If you could – if he could just work on his finishing, then I think you really have something. Like, you really have the makings, and especially with the Knicks, they already have Mitchell Robinson, who we've talked about before, and I know you love Mitch as much as I do. Um, like that's a one five combination that I'm excited about. And, um, I know he's thin. I know he needs to put on weight. I love his defensive instincts. Um, I think he's, I, again, some guys you watch on defense and it's like, Oh, that guy gets it. I think he gets it. Um, so, you know, and again, this is a guy that I think a lot of people early on in the draft process were like, Oh yeah, great. He he might be there at 27 for the Knicks. Like, no, that's not happening. I think he's going to go ahead of, Halliburton, and I could see him going ahead of Cole Anthony, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's his speed for me. I feel like watching him, I've just got in big, bold letters on my notes, has Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. I feel like what really stood out to me was the way he can pick a cutter while at full speed in transition, and he can see people cut into the rim and get them on point. And he'd done that regularly throughout the college year. From all angles as well, it didn't matter whether they were cutting baseline, whether they were going diagonally, curling off pin downs. He can just spot those off-ball movements while at full pace, which for me translates really well. It's a scalable skill that will translate into the NBA instantly. Exactly. I, I feel like for the Knicks especially, putting somebody with that level of speed, as well as like the ability to play out of the pick and roll, to score deep, and to use those hezzy moves to get guys off their feet to open up the, the middle of the court, he will really elevate what your first first unit can do. Yeah, and you know, the, well, it's funny you say that because you know, talk about first unit. That's the thing that I think nobody really knows right now is what you know. Th- there there continues to be this perception. Not again, not to get off track, but I think it, it this all has to do with one uh, each other, so to speak. Um, it, are, is Leon Rose going to go ahead and bring in a veteran point guard who could shoot? Um, cause obviously, you know, Alfred Payton for as good as he is at what he does. Um, he's, it's just, it's too cramped of a floor. And, you know, is there going to be an incentive to try to win more games this year? 
If there is, I don't know if I could see them going with, you know, a guy like Lewis as their starter for the entire season. That's what I would love because, you know, a lot of reasons. It's, it's He's young. 2021 draft is good. If, if you didn't win a ton of games this year, that's fine with me. And again, I think there's real possibility there for him to, for this kid to be good. Um, and it's just like, again, still so young, so fast. I, I, and if you like the shot, and I do, I really like his shot. I like it more than Cole Anthony's. You know, I would take a shot. I feel the thing, biggest thing for me, there's two notes in the, I do a pros and cons on every player that I dive into. Okay. The two bold, and I always bold the most important ones. So the two in cons that are bold for me are he doesn't shield his ball when he drives, so he gets blocked easily or he gets the, shot, he gets the ball poked away on the drive before he actually gets up to shoot. That's a very teachable skill, something that he'll learn fairly quickly at the next level. No need for to sure. worry. The second one is he needs to add strength. He's 19. His body's naturally going to add strength. Get him in with some NBA-level strength and conditioning coaches. For a guy shooting 80% from the line, everybody says if you can shoot free throws at a respectable clip, it's one of the true indicators of shooting ability. What's he shot this year? He shot 36.6% from deep. Yeah, that's you know. I mean, that's respectable. That's I feel, fine. Yeah, I feel like if you did draft Kira Lewis long-term, I feel like him, Robinson, I feel like Knox is probably... A bust at this point, maybe? Are we writing him off too soon? Uh, I'm not yet. Um, I, you know, unfortunately, I have a funny feeling if it does happen for him, it might not happen for him here. I hope I'm wrong about that. Sometimes um, the I, light's shine too bright. Eh, I don't know if it's that. I just, I, I they, they did not... Not to, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but they did not do right by him last year in terms of uh, the decreased role, decreased minutes, decreased usage, de- you know, it, it, how he was used in the offense. It's just, it was night and day from a rookie season where he was just basically given the keys to the, the guy. I, I'll say this though, to your point, I think that you're making, I don't know that you could consider him a part of like the young core going forward. I think it's, you know, right now it's Mitch, it's Barrett. And if they could get one of these other young guys to pop, whether it's Frank or Knox or whoever, along with this draft pick, you know, that's that's your core going forward, I think. I feel like Kyra Lewis, RJ Barrett, and Mitch Robinson are a very exciting young core. And then if you've got Frank coming off with his length and defensive versatility, that's a solid core of young guys to really start building ground and filling veterans into the holes. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I'd be excited about it. I think a lot of Nick fans would be excited about it too, to be honest with you. Which brings us on to your next pick, which falls all the way down. Tanker Fun has it at twenty seventh. Indeed. So this is the this is the Clippers pick um, that they obtained uh, again in the the Marcus Morris trade. Um, I actually don't even think this is the they. So they obtained two picks in that trade: this pick and the the Pistons second round pick next year. Um, I think the Pistons second rounder next year is the better of the two picks <laughs> because, <laughs> because I think the 2021 draft is that much better. Um, and I think the Pistons are, you know, I don't know, are they going to be the worst team in the league next season? Second worst, third worst. I think they don't, they might be down there. Um, so yeah, it, whatever, put that aside. So this pick for me is again, I, I think, you know, it's, the further you go down in this particular draft, the more like maybe upside becomes 
less what you should be looking for. And it's more about like, let me get a rotation guy who's going to be part of my roster for, you know, ideally the next 10 years. Um, and so with both this pick and the, the last pick that we're going to talk about with one possible exception, um, I think these are guys that you just, you know, can be plugged in and serve a role um, immediately. So first guy is Isaiah Joe. Um, you know, Isaiah Joe is, I, I probably, I don't know if I cheated on this one a little bit. I feel like Isaiah Joe has been around in some different spots on mock drafts. It's the other part that makes this exercise tough, right? Is like mocks like, ha- like between 15 and 40, like guys are all over the place. Yeah, I, have you found that when you've looked at some of these things? I haven't had anyone mention Lamelo Ball to me, and I'm on my fifth one. So guys are absolutely all over the shop right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I didn't mention Lamelo because I, I think he's going to be gone along with with Killian Hayes. With, um, with you know, if the Knicks stay around six, seven, or eight, but so Isaiah Joe. Um, I mean, simply put, I think he has a chance to be. And he's not this right now. He only shot 34% from three last year. But I think he has a chance to be one of the best three-point shooters, if not the best three-point shooter in the draft, in terms of, like, translating to the type of three-point shooting, like, be a movement shooter um, and be a guy that can really help you, you know, run some different stuff on offense. I mean, his his three-point rate last year was uh, 76%. Um, not that, not his percentage, his rate, like that's great. Um, he's also, he was 89% from the line, um, last season, which is like, that projects out really well. Um, he's a little older, you know, he's 20, but again, this to me, this isn't really a ceiling pick. This is more like, you know, the Knicks have been one of the worst shooting teams in the league for a while. And it would be nice if they actually drafted somebody that can change that. And I think that Isaiah Joe is a guy that could do that. Yeah, you're going for high floor rather than high ceiling. Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. I like him. Um, I feel like his um three point ability mixed with the way he can head faint and move his body on the perimeter. If you noticed, I don't know if you spotted it. It was something I looked for quite early on. Was because of the threat he poses from beyond the arc. All he needs is the slightest of head faints or up fakes, and guys will close out on him instantly. And he's yeah. got enough pace to really beat them out and get inside for the mid-range, Jeff. I like that. I feel like that can that's translatable. The only thing is, do you feel like he can get forced into taking threes? Like he, if he'll panic and just jack up a shot. Yeah, but again, that's not something that worries me, you know, because I, I think, you know, it's tough when you when we take stuff in terms of, that it that is happening because of a, a role that a guy played in college versus and look he was a, a 16 point per game um scorer in in college so and you know played 36 minutes he was obviously a, a massive part of what Arkansas did like that's not going to be his role in the pros so I'm less worried about it than I might be with a guy that I was taking at the top of the draft if that makes any sense Oh, for sure. He also, and again, as you say, it's not the role he's going to play in the pros. What he will be asked to do in the pros is play a little bit of D, and he can read the passing lanes with the best of them in this draft class. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I really do, like, he's, the, like you said, I mean, I, I'm going to just repeat you. I think the floor is 
high enough that if you could get this guy at 27, you, you know, you take it and you, you feel good about it. Who's up next? Who do you have next in your second position of want? Um, I'll go with Devin Dotson, which um, I'll be honest, is, is not a guy that I've, I've watched a ton of film on, but I, I, you know, I think every year there are guys that there's just like, they kind of get a rep as like, okay, this is what this guy is. Um, in in college and he's like never going to be anything more than that and i don't always know if that's like completely earned um and i think i think dotson might be one of those guys i mean he's a he's a 20 year old sophomore but again i mean yes he's a little bit older uh an older 20 years old um but then again you know just to reference again uh, so is, uh, cole anthony's 20 years old so if you're like, if age isn't the reason, like you're not drafting him, then like what is, because he was good this year. And like, <laughs> I'm all for just drafting guys who, if it's again, the late first round of a draft that is not looked at to, as being particularly good. Um, like take a guy who's just had a pretty good year on a team that was really good. Um, and ran the show for them and see if he, if you could get, you know, a 10 year backup out of the guy. Um, and it's like, I know Nick fans probably don't want to hear that, but they just like, they need a lot of help. And I would rather that help come from guys who they draft rather than guys that, um, you know, they're, they're bringing in from the outside and giving one year deals to. Um, and, and just one, one other note on, on just the idea of taking a, a guy who's essentially going to be your backup point guard. Um, I don't think that means Frank Milikin is exit from the franchise, and I'm a huge Frank fan, because I think Frank's long-term uh, like role in the league is going to be a guy who can provide you, you know, with a good deal of ball handling, but also, like, if he's going to have a value in the league, it's going to be if he develops his shot and if he develops his shot, um, you're going to be able to play him off ball some. So I, I like his fit with a, a guy like Dotson, like they could play together. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'd be all over Dotson if he fell here. Everything I've got for Dotson that's positive is on offense. And everything I have for him that's negative is on defense. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, six two, you know, yeah, um, he bites a lot on pump fakes. He gets lost when he's guarding the pick and roll. He, the one thing that really stuck out for me that, I feel like he's going to get exposed with. And to me, everything else that happened that is wrong with his game on defense and wrong isn't the right word that needs improvement. But the one thing that sticks out to me that's really going to be hard for him to change is he plants his feet on D so much. Like if he bites on a, on a jab step or a crossover, his feet just grow roots straight away. He's like Groot. He's just tied into the floor and then he's getting left. Yeah. And again, like, he is by by no means should anybody think like this guy's a potential starter. He's not, um, and like if a, a point guard who can't really who's going to get exposed from time to time is a guy that like there's a reason that that guy's going to be a backup. But that's where smart team building comes into play because like we've seen a lot of really good point guards over the years be second unit specialists. And their teams are smart enough to surround them with a couple of really good defenders. 
And look, the Knicks already have Frank. Um, I, I think that there's the potential that maybe they could end up with um, another decent defender uh, in this draft. Not to not to get ahead of myself, but um, you know they they have such a luxury right now to build this team however they want because there's so few roster spots that are committed to guys who are like, okay, this player is going to be here for a while. We have to consider his role because again, it's really just two guys that you're married to. And really, if we're being honest, like even Barrett and Robinson, it's like if the right opportunity came up to, to make some kind of a, a, a shift there, like you'd have to look at it. So, you know, take the, take the best guy and, and, you know, figure out a way around maybe some of his weaknesses. If teams can win a championship with Corey Irvin as the starting, starting point guard. On- <laughs> That's <laughs> then, a good call. Uh, it's, everything looks up from there. If you're not too great on D. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Who's the um, third guy you've got? So um, the last guy I got here is Paul Reed. So um, Reed is, again, this is not um, an exciting pick. Uh, he is uh, – so he's a power forward from DePaul. Um, he is a junior. He is nearly 21 years old. Um, he is not a guy you are drafting for offense. Um, but, and I, I know I'm kind of cheating because I have both him and like Dotson here at, uh, at the same spot, but like, listen, like I said, this draft is so all over the place. There's a very distinct possibility. You may be able to come out of this draft with both of these guys. If one of them falls to their, their neck, you know, the, the second round pick that they have, and Paul Reed is a defender. And again, the Knicks need everything. And one of the things they need is guys who have not only defensive potential to like just guard their position, but guys who could be disruptive on defense. And we've seen a little bit of that from Frank. Um, and obviously Mitchell Robinson is kind of his own animal in terms of what he's able to do. But I'd love for them to come out of this draft with another guy. Cause like, it's been so long since the Knicks have had a, a lineup that was actually like scared teams uh, in terms of what they were able to bring on the defensive side of the ball. And it's always like, can we survive? And it'd be cool if they drafted some players who actually, you know, scared um, the other team with what they could do on the defensive end. And then in terms of like what Reed can't do on offense, again, like he's a piece. So you don't have to rely on him for that. And, hey, guess what? Um, If the 33% from three that he shot in college um, comes around and he was 77% from the line in college, so it's not like there's not a potential for him to become a better three-point shooter, like you've really, really landed on something, you know, potentially really good. Oh, I'm a huge Paul Reed fan. I feel like that would be a great pickup. Anywhere in the 25 to 30 range is a solid – Land if you can pick Paul Reed in twenty five to thirty, you've got yourself a hell of a player in my opinion. He reminds me of Rob Williams in the in the athleticism, uh, the way he okay. plays that. The only thing different is Paul Reed is more of a shoot a scoring big, whereas Rob Williams is more of a passing big. That's the one difference. But in terms of athleticism, the just insatiable first to block shots and just chase down guys. And sometimes that's to a fault. Both Rob and Paul Reed uh, big black markings on my cons list right now is pogo stick. Same thing that we've seen with Rob Williams. They just bite on absolutely everything. But it's it's a comparison I feel like really marries up well between the two guys. 
size-wise, athleticism-wise, and projection to what they can be long-term. So I feel like Paul Reed is definitely a solid pickup. The only question is, do you feel like you could run him alongside Mitch Robinson if that three-point shot doesn't materialize? No, probably not. But again, to me, you're, you know, you're, these spots are so like last year and we don't, again, we don't need to get off on a, on a whole tangent here, but like last year, the Knicks had it backwards. They were starting veterans who are not going to be part of this team long-term um, for reasons that like are still not completely clear. And um Next year, that should not be the case. I'm not saying start a whole bunch of kids, but like with the exception of maybe one or two older guys who can make the lives of the young players easier, the starting lineup should be the guys that are supposedly going to carry this organization forward, um, you know, for the next decade. RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, their first round pick this year, maybe even one other guy. So if, if the goal then is to just build up the bench so that, again, you're not wasting any opportunity because, again, they're not going to be good this year. So if they're not going to be good, you might as well make sure you sprinkle in enough, like as many of these young guys as possible. I'm totally cool drafting a guy like Paul Reed and being like, here, you are our backup four or you're our backup or like you're our, I don't know, second big off the bench, whatever. Um, See, I wouldn't worry about how he fits with Mitch. That's fair enough. And if you're picking in the 25 to 30 range, you're picking for a bench role anyway, which is fair. Unless he all of a sudden does a Donovan Mitchell and becomes an absolute trailblazer. Yeah, but you can never count on that, right? No, I mean, you hope it. You hope it. The minute that pick pick turns into a human being, you hope that they start exceeding expectations. But in reality, a late first-round pick is generally a bench piece that you hope can have longevity in the league. Yeah, or... Or in certain drafts, you know, a specialist that if you're only asking him to do, like, I feel like a lot of drafts, you might be able to get a guy with like a late teens, early twenties pick who he's serviceable on D like, you know, you're, it's, I, I'm, what am I saying? It's like the typical three and D spot, right? Like you, you could start that guy if you're not asking him to do too much. And like those guys used to be able to, you know, used to be available later in the first round. Now they're not really anymore. Now you're going to see guys like that in this draft, like the best 3D players are going to go in the lottery. So things are, things are changing. And that leads us on to your final pick way, way, way down at, this is when you know I can't find where you are. 38. So it's the 37 <laughs> or 38. I think it's going to be 38. Um, is the, it's the Hornets second round pick that, um, we it, this is funny. I have to just say this really quickly. Talk about symmetry. Um, the Knicks traded their second round pick this year and next year um, to acquire the rights for Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, what was it? Three three years ago now? Yeah, I think three years ago now. And they traded Willie Hernan Gomez for Charlotte's second round picks this year and next year. Which, if I had to bet, I would say the sum total of those the picks that went out and the picks that went in are going to be about like exactly the same. So, thank you, William Hernan Gomez, for passing through my life. Um, in, <laughs> however brief, in, however brief it was, he didn't make it all rookie first team. In fairness, he had a good rookie year. Um, okay, so my first guy, and and let's actually we'll string it together 
um, with with Paul Reed. Because um, I think, again, who knows? Maybe they take Reed with their first-round pick and they get this guy in the second round. Uh, Killian Tilly. So Killian Tilly's guy, obviously older um, uh, from Gonzaga. He's 22 and change. Um, he is um, he's a center. Um, he is a guy that has significant, maybe as much as any player in the draft. Um, he has like, like maybe, I don't even know, like, will some teams like just completely take him off their board because of his injury history? Like he's had recurring ankle sprains and knee soreness and he had like a preventative knee procedure this year, earlier this year, he's had stress fracture he's had like plantar fascia he's had all kinds of stuff um but if he didn't have all that stuff like we're talking about a guy who's like 100 percent, i think would be a first round pick because he is such a smart player and he's a guy who can be you know i don't want to say like maybe not the hub of your offense uh, um from the five position, but like a guy who could do a lot of different stuff as your backup five, um, including shooting. And he's a 40% shooter from deep this year on um, a good volume. Um, he's, he's just, he, and if I'm being transparent, this is the type of guy that the Knicks, I feel like never take, like they never take the smart guy that like draft Twitter loves. And like, this is that guy. And it would be so cool if they drafted him and like we got to enjoy him for however long he's gonna be able to last in the league. As I and like if you put this guy next to, you know, a guy like Paul Reed, like that could work. Like that could work just fine. Um so yeah, I would say uh Killian Tilly would be my first first guy here. I really, really like Killian Tilly. I feel <laughs> his game's just it's the quintessential floor stretching big. He's just an awesome slow roll guy that's always available for a drop off pass from, and then he can just drain it from deep. Uh, I feel like he could even spend spot minutes playing with the first unit in very short spurts, and I feel like he'd really open up the floor for Mitch Robinson as well, and maybe some of your wing guys too. Hey, listen, I'd, I'd be happy to get like, but that's the nice thing, right? Is when you bring in guys, and it's similar to Poku, right? that could play a position and bring skills to that position that you don't usually see. It just, it could open up a lot of different stuff. And if it's one thing the Knicks did not have any of this year, it was that if everybody who played every position on their team had like by the book skills and it just so vastly limited what they could do. And it it just would be nice to get some of these different types of guys um, in here because they look, we were the home of the unicorn once upon a time, and now he's gone, and now we have nobody that even remotely resembles a horse, uh, let alone one with a you know a thing sticking out of its head. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not it's not good. Um, so I, I know we're running out of time, so I'll get through these last two. Um, Desmond Bain is a guy that I think has been um, coming on late. Uh, people are starting to get excited about him. He's again older guy like Tilly. He's a He's, I think he's 22 now. Um, whatever. He's a senior at a TCU. But quite simply, he is a big-bodied 6'5 shooting guard, and he can shoot. And, again, like, if you could get shooting 
at this point in the draft, um, and he was 44% from three this year on, um, it was, I think, six and a half attempts per game. Um, like, yes, give me that guy. Um, I don't care what he can't do. If he could defend his position and he's got some size and he could shoot the rock, yes. If he's going to be there at 38, like, I want the guy. I like him. I feel like he projects like a good secondary scorer off the bench. So he's not going to be your primary shot shot maker, but he's definitely going to be available to drain some long-range shots. I feel like if you can pick him up that late in the draft, then you're finding a steal. And I don't don't know that he's going to be there, to be honest with you. I think, uh, look, there's a chance that all the guys I've talked about with these last, except the the next guy who I'm saving for last on purpose, except for him, I, I can see all these guys being gone like before the Knicks got to this pick, the 38th pick, and I could see maybe all but one of them being there. It's like, we, we just don't know it yet because, and, and still there's a lot of homework to be done by these teams. Um, so um, we will, Delve we will see what happens. At this point now, here's the <laughs> dive into obscurity. What's that? We're about to dive into obscurity right now. I know who's coming up. So this is um, Carlos Alo, I said I think, is how you pronounce this guy's name. Um, he is uh, not someone who is on – I don't think he's on any draft boards, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and, again, I've, I've mentioned him several times. My, my buddy Spencer Perlman turned me on to this guy. So, according to, to Spencer, who, again, did this – he worked for the Suns for a year, so he kind of does this for a living – um, he's a guy that is like a stash guy and that teams just, they don't know when he's going to come over. Um, he, he's currently playing, um, overseas for something called, I, I, I can't even pronounce the team that he is, he is currently playing for. Um, it is yeah, not, but, uh, what's that? Teniconta Zaragoza. <laughs> I live by Spain. Spain's, Spain's a neighbor to me. It's like driving to Texas for you. Sure. Um, I love it. Can't speak a word of Spanish. That's great. Um, Look, he's a 19-year-old kid, um, and he has a lot of – he's a really, really, really good passer um, that can also do some other stuff. The shot's not there at all yet. Um, He's raw. He needs, you know, a lot of work there. Um, but he's got legitimate skills. And again, he's a draft and stash guy. You're not going to see him probably for a couple years. Um, but this is a guy that like, if the shooting comes around with the playmaking that he already has, um, is pretty good finisher already. Um, I, I think it's like this is the this is a, again the move that the Knicks they, they just don't make this move they just don't draft this guy ever and it would be cool if they drafted someone that was like the the, the guy that you usually see the Spurs pick right or like some team like that or or like the Celtics even maybe um, so yeah his he maybe he doesn't even get drafted I don't know because teams are not sure if when he's gonna come over but in a draft like this maybe it's worth a shot. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to pretend to have any information on this guy. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> okay. 
he's a god. I've got that much. That's about as far as I can go. He's a guy. He's a guy. He's a guy. He's human. He's alive. Um, as a draft and stash, draft and stashes are always valuable until they're converted into an NBA player. So it's kind of it's tempting, but I feel like with this draft, there's no standout players. But it is very deep in terms of high floor role players that can come in and plug. So, I mean, if if Bain or Tilly's available at that pick, I feel like you go with them rather than stashing that pick. I, I, I think I would too, and maybe I should have mentioned him first, but I thought it would be funny to save him for last. Oh, the deep dive uh, obscurity. I'm <laughs> um, you know, but the only thing I will say is that, and I think this is the, a good place to end it, a lot of Nick fans, myself included, are always like, we want to have, you know, some semblance of like the future, like in place ASAP. Like we want to know like, where are we going? Who are the guys that are going to take us there? Even if they're not there right now, they are like the Knicks are years away. If they do it the right way and they don't, like we always heard Steve Mills talk about, we're not going to skip steps. Well, if they don't skip steps and they do it the right way, this should take years. And they've made some smart trades. They have multiple picks coming up. They have, um, uh, as of right now, at least, they have four picks in next year's draft. Their own pick, the Dallas first-round pick, the Hornets second-round pick, and the Pistons first-round pick. That should be four picks in the top 40 in a much better draft than this one. So, to me, yes, I know they need NBA talent, but, you know, if if there's a guy that they feel like, okay, this is a worthy draft and stash candidate, like, yeah, why not? Like, go for it. You could you could fill out the rest of the roster next year with your picks next year in a better draft. And that pretty much wraps us up. I agree with um, – this has been one of the more fun podcasts I've done in a while. It's always good to catch up with you, John. Oh, pleasure's all mine, believe me. Guys, if you're not familiar with what John's doing, then go check him out. Do you want to plug your socials, John? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so you can find me on Twitter. Um, probably the easiest place to find me. I am at uh, NBA. And if you go to my Twitter profile, um, you could find a link to a daily newsletter that I write, although I'm not doing every day during um, the uh, break from the NBA. I'm doing uh, three times a week. It's still, still good. And it's free, so uh, why not? It's a some daily newsletter. <laughs> yeah, some days. Um, so that's the, uh, the Knicks Film School uh, daily newsletter. And I'm also the host of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, and uh, write for Nick's SI, um, which I hope to do again if and when there is basketball once, once, once more. Uh, but yeah, man, this is always fun. It's always great to talk to you uh, and hash it up with someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Always, man. You're always welcome on here. I'm going to um, I'm gonna jet, but this will be out shortly, so I'll make sure to tag you in it, and we'll definitely do this again once the Knicks and Celtics face off again. 100%. I can't wait, buddy. Talk awesome. to you later. Later, dude.